this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so if you've been with us over recent weeks, you will know that we're uh, working our way through the book of Colossians. And if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn, scroll, click, or um, speak to, I suppose you can, can't you? And uh, somehow pull up Colossians chapter 3. We'll look at some verses together in a moment. And this is pretty much the home run. So we're nearing the end of our series in Colossians. Thank you, Tim. That was slightly delayed, and I was expecting perhaps greater feedback, but never mind. We are heading towards the end of our series in Colossians. That's that's good. You're still with me. Uh, So if you've missed any weeks, they're available to download uh, on the website. Uh, You can listen to all the talks on there. And also on the website is Steph's message from last Sunday, which was great, as Steph Mars was with us from Bedford. If you missed that talk or would like to hear it again, that's now available for you to download as well. Okay, so Colossians chapter 3. We'll start reading uh, at verse 15 and uh, finish off at the beginning of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. That's good, isn't it? Be thankful. I could stop there and just preach on those two words. Be thankful. So, so true. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, most of them have left at this point. (laughs) Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they'll become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word to us. And we pray and ask you now, as we spend this time looking at it together, we pray that you would be our teacher, Holy Spirit. 
Help us not only to understand what we've read, but to put it into practice in our everyday lives. I pray, Lord, you give us open hearts to hear all that you have for us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, in my Bible, and maybe in yours, verses 18 onwards is, has got a heading which says, Rules for Christian Households. Rules for Christian Households. Now, in New Testament times, households would have included the extended family. And it would have included any number of slaves and servants and others that would have been part of the extended group or extended household. Now, for us here in Britain in uh, 2016, Paul's instructions here apply not only to our homes, which in our culture are often less likely to include such an extended family, certainly not likely to include many slaves and servants these days. But it does include for us, friends, our working life and our working relationships. And whether it is those that we work for or those who work for us, Paul has something to say. But did you, do you notice we didn't start this with a list of instructions? What we started with was about your heart. Paul isn't starting this section with a list of do's and don'ts, but rather he's speaking to your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let God be at work in your heart. Let him be in charge. Let the peace of Christ rule. Now, I'm sure you know that when the Bible speaks of our heart, it has a lot to do with how we feel and how we operate. It it doesn't mean that central organ that's there in your chest and pumping blood around your body, at least I hope it's pumping blood around your body. Most of you look like it's still working, just about. (laughs) But rather what the Bible means when it talks about our hearts is the centre of your will, the centre of your emotions, your feelings, what drives you as a person. And it's in this place that Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ rule. You see, the truth is, something always rules your heart. That's the truth. There is always something that is in charge of your heart, your will, your emotions, your feelings, that which drives you. Something has the top spot. So what is it for you? What is in your heart and what rules it? Today, what's ruling your heart? What we're told here in Colossians is let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So is it worry and anxiety that's ruling or is it peace? Paul's instruction here is to the church, all of us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. <coughs> I may have said recently that I've spent some time over the last few weeks uh, looking at a, a few chapters of John's Gospel. And in John chapter 14, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. 
trust also in me. And it's a pretty specific instruction, isn't it? Don't let your hearts be troubled. It mirrors really what Paul's saying here in Colossians 3, or maybe a better way of putting it would be what Paul is saying here. mirrors what Jesus said earlier. Let the peace of Christ rule. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And if you've got that close relationship with the Lord, where you know that he is with you, where you sense his presence and know that he rules in your hearts, that has an effect, doesn't it? That has an effect on how you are. He goes on, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that comes from reading, thinking about, meditating on the word of God. Now, I have a confession to make now. Oh, that's woken somebody up, isn't it? I'm not very good at this meditating thing. I'm a bit more of an activist. I like to be doing things. So I'm not great at just sort of sitting down quietly and meditating on Scripture. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I need to work at it. But what I've found, even over these last few weeks or so, just spending time in these few chapters of John's Gospel, it has done me so much good. God's spoken to me. He's spoken to my heart. The Word of God dwelling in me has done me good. I probably don't do it enough. I need to intentionally slow down, pause, meditate on what I've read. You know, I do believe in reading through the whole Bible. I've often spoken about that. But the danger with doing that is it just becomes a task. And you think, got to get through the next chapter, got to get through the next verse, or I'm going to get behind on my daily reading plan. And then the daily reading plan starts to beat you up because you're so far behind it. You think, how am I ever going to get through on this? Now, it's good to read through the whole Bible. I'm a great proponent of that. But it's also good to dwell. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Maybe take a short passage of Scripture, a few verses perhaps, and uh, ask God to speak to you as you read them. And read them several times. Uh, allow them to uh, meditate on them. Sort of allow them to percolate, if you like, in your mind. And allow God to speak to you. As you do it, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to apply to your heart that which you've read. And then Paul goes on, doesn't he, to talk about worship. He talks about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And, you know, worship is such an important part of who we are, isn't it? The very first commandments, the most important commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. There we are again. With all your soul, with all your strength. Pretty much with everything you've got. See, worship isn't just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a couple of hours once a week singing some songs. Yes, it's a massive part of who we are together and what we do when we gather, but friends, it's more than that. It's even more than just the worship CD on In The Car or the latest track on your iPod. Rather, it's an attitude of heart. It's about your lifestyle. It's about offering yourself as a living sacrifice, as Paul puts it in Romans 12. Does that describe you? Does that describe your heart? And then Paul adds in gratitude, doesn't he? 
Earlier he said, be thankful. And in verse 16, he talks about singing songs and uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp, says the psalmist in Psalm 147. Now, I don't want to spend a long time on this. I've spoken not so long ago about gratitude. But let me ask you a question. And I ask myself this as much as I do you. If you think of yourself right now, are you more or less grateful than you were six months ago? Am I more or less grateful and thankful than I was six months ago? Think about all that you can thank God for. You might want to make a list and write it down. There's something good about that. And as you do so, lift up grateful worship to a generous God who, as we have already sung about this morning, heard about and spoken about, loves you with an unending love. Has welcomed you into his family as a son, as a daughter. Isn't it good? Isn't it good? But then Paul goes on, having talked about what's going on in your heart, he then talks about what it should be like as family together. You see, because of Christ's work in your heart, there should be an effect on how you live, on how you are at home. Now, maybe you can keep your God up in public. Perhaps you can maintain an image at work. But at home... You're really you. So what's the home like? A home you really like? Say it again. What's the home you really like? What's the home me really like? The home me when I'm cooking is not pleasant. Patient time. <laughs> Telling <laughs> yesterday. Trying to feed eight people and do several things at once, is not something that comes naturally to me. And the cooking me is not as gracious as I would like it to be. What's the home you really like? What are the points of pressure that press your buttons? What what is it for you where actually the stress comes out? Well, to start with, Paul applies this truth to family. He says, wives, submit to your husbands, to their leadership under Christ. Husbands, he says, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents. Fathers and mothers, do not embitter or provoke your kids. The New American Standard Bible puts it like this. says, fathers, do not exasperate your children or they will, so that they will not lose heart. Do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. The message version puts it like this. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. You see, your life as a Christian should be seen in the way you treat your family. So friends, this is challenging. What's the home you really like? Now, I know you want me to get to the wives submit to your husband's bit. But you need to understand it's part of a bigger context. You see, in the Roman world of Paul's day, wives were expected to obey, no questions asked. What Paul does is he asks asks them to submit willingly 
to their husband's godly leadership in their marriage. You see, he's not talking about being a doormat. He is saying something that is different from the prevailing culture. And I want to say he's saying something different that's different from our culture as well in this. But notice, Paul has got something to say to husbands as well. Love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. You see, the instructions to wives and to husbands goes together. You can't have one without the other. You cannot take them out of context and just quote the bits you like. So guys, husbands, you cannot quote out of context just the bit that you think might help you. That's not how we're meant to use the Bible. Now, I know you know that, and I know you wouldn't do that, but we need to understand this is part of a bigger context. Paul's instructions to husbands and wives go together. So, how do you put it into practice? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So, I thought it would be a good idea to ask Sarah what she thought about this. So we, t- we, we, we sat and we, we talked about this and uh, then I thought, actually, it'd be better for her to say what she thinks about this. So, come, why don't you come and say what you think about this bit? Shall I get the easy uh, verses to talk about? <laughs> I did think about saying no, but I thought that wouldn't be very submissive. <laughs> So I didn't. (laughs) Okay. Right. So I think the first thing that I need to say is that husbands and wives, both men and women, are equal in God's eyes. However, husbands and wives have different roles to play in the marriage. They bring different um, roles into the relationship. But both roles reflect the character of God. So in today's society, or years ago, you know, it was very much the men have, you know, more of a, a role than the women, but that's not true. You know, God values both men and women, and we're of both equal worth in God's eyes. Okay. <clears throat> so I know some of you might be sitting there thinking, oh gosh, the word submission, you know, that was for Old Testament times. But actually... I really feel that as you submit to your husband, as you come under his authority, is actually a very releasing thing. And as you submit to your husband, it will actually release you into all that God has got for you. So for me, I know that um, that God put um, setting up a social action project on my heart a long time ago. Um, and fostering is very much on my heart, and just serving the church. I I love doing that. And all those things God has put on my heart, and as I've submitted under Graham's authority, that actually I feel that God's released me into all of those things. So how do we then submit to our husbands? Well, really, I think that our first priority is actually we need to submit to God. And how do we do that? Well, for me, I can only speak for me, but for me, it's very much 
um, praying, talking to God, listening to God, and then taking direction through what he said to me. Now, that might be reading the Bible, or as I go walking and praying, you know, God will speak to me. It's very similar, isn't it, in, um, in a relationship? I submit to Graham. We talk, or I talk a lot. Graham listens a lot. <laughs> um, and then I take direction when I need to. Now, communication is key in our relationship. I love sharing my life with God. I love sharing my life with Graham. We pray together about everything. So, for example, when I felt that God was putting fostering on my heart, I didn't just go and phone the council up and say, oh, I'd like to be a foster carer, please. No, we talked about it. We prayed about it. We thought about what it was that God had for us. I didn't want to do it on my own. I wanted it to be a joint thing. Um, so, and now we are, so that's great. We make every decision together. We talk about it. We pray about it. And sometimes I disagree. Sometimes Graham disagrees. But then what we do is we talk it through. We talk it through, we pray it through, and normally we come to the same decision. And if we get stuck, we know that there are people around us to help us. You know, maybe you're going through something. There are people out there that you can ask, life group leaders, elders, people that you trust. Get them to pray with you if you're struggling in a certain area. We want to help. Now, there are things that I just need to, to, trust, to trust Graham with. For example, Graham looks after our finances. Now, that's fine because I'm not a very good um, admin person. But he is. And he does it really well. And I completely trust him in that area. But then Graham trusts me with other areas in our relationship. It's about actually valuing the gifts that God has put in each other and wanting God to release that within the marriage. As wives, we need to let our husbands be the head of the house. Husbands actually carry a spiritual weight over their family. Not that wives don't, but I think husbands do it in a different way. Now, I really noticed this when Graham goes away. So <clears throat> over the last few years, Graham has been to Cambodia and Turkey and other places. And suddenly, I'm the one that has to make the decisions for the children, for the household. I know that Graham's still praying for us, but I can't just go and ask him a quick question. He's not there. And actually, sometimes it's quite a he heavy load to carry. And I know and recognise that there might be single parents here today. And actually you're thinking, you know what, I have to do that all the time. And as a church, we just want to honour you for what you do for your family, what you do for your children. But I also want to say to you that you're not on your own. We as a church are your spiritual family. And we can pray with you, we can stand with you. You're not on your own. Okay, so if you are a single parent out there, then please talk to your life group leaders. Talk to somebody that you know and value 
and ask them to stand with you and say, you know what, I'm struggling with this. Please pray with me or for us as a family. And we, we will, we want to. So when Graham comes home, it's like he literally walks in the door. Poor man, has like a second to put his suitcase down. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness for that. He's home, he's back. He can lead the family now. He can have it back. Not that, you know, I stop praying, but it's like, actually, he carries a weight that I don't carry. So husbands have a responsibility to pray for their wives and their family. And as I said, it's not that wives don't, but I really think that husbands do carry it differently. And so I want to talk to you guys out there. I want to encourage you to pray for your wives. Pray for your families. Your wives would love it if they knew that you were praying for them. So I just really want to encourage you in that. And I know that some women have husbands who aren't Christians. Or you may feel that your husbands don't carry you spiritually. In that case, I would just encourage you to pray for your husband. Pray that they would get saved. Pray that their walk with God would get stronger and deeper and more intimate. And as that happens, your walk with God together will get stronger, will get deeper, will get more intimate. And that will have a knock-on effect on your relationship, not only together, but in God. And I think the last thing I just want to say is that you can only submit to your husband if you have a deep respect for them. Talking well of your husband is so important. Talking well of your husband to other people, not talking down at them or down about them, is crucial. And we want to be wives who love and care and encourage our husbands. So I just want to encourage you wives to pray and love your husbands. And ask God to grow their relationship with him. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So Paul then goes on. And says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Another way of saying this would be husbands prefer your wife. Now, to be clear, I don't think he's saying prefer them over other women. That's not what he's saying. Should be doing that anyway. No, prefer her over you. Husbands, love your wife. Love wife. One only. <laughs> One only. Nearly. Prefer her. Prefer her over you. Love her. Prefer her. Cherish her. Make her feel loved. So, husbands, when did you last tell your wife that you loved her? And don't say, well, I told her when we got married, I haven't changed my mind. (laughs) It's not the right answer. Sarah and I normally tell each other pretty much every day. We end most phone calls with love you or similar words to that. So, husbands, how can you prefer your wife this week? How can you serve her and encourage her 
how can you encourage her walk with God? How can you tell her that you love her and that you are preferring her? What can you do this week to do that? Sarah was talking about husbands needing to care for their family spiritually. So are you leading your wife well? Are you praying for her? Are you encouraging her walk with God? You see, guys, we need to ensure that our spiritual life is healthy so that we can encourage others. So if you're married, then you need to ensure that your spiritual life is healthy so that you can then encourage your wife and support her and release her in all that God has got for her and also for your kids as well. But you've got to take care of your own heart first so that you then can encourage others. Paul puts it like this to the Ephesians. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's a self-sacrificing love, isn't it? Self-sacrificing love. That's preferring. That's really showing love. So we've got here, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. But then Paul goes on. Has my Bible gone down there? So as well as, well, as well as what Paul is saying about life in the home, <clears throat> Paul also says here that our lives as Christians should be evidenced at work. If we work, then it should be evidenced in our place of work that we're a Christian and we're following Jesus. So as we said earlier, he's particularly applying this to the extended household where there would have been slaves and servants. For us, I think we need to take this instruction into our places of work. So, if we can say it like this, employees, obey your boss. So, I love the message translation, or a better word is interpretation, really, uh, of this passage. It says this, Colossians 3, 22. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Work from the heart for your real master, for God, confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Good phrase, isn't it? So for those of you in work, if I was to go to your place of work and talk to your boss, what do they say about you? Would you have a good reputation at work that would speak well of your Christian faith? You see, Paul wants us to see that following Jesus is not just about Sunday morning, it's about Monday morning as well. And for those of us who are employers... For those of us who have people working for us, Paul has something to say to us as well. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So for us, Paul would say this. Treat your employees justly and fairly. It doesn't mean that you're taken for a ride 
but it does mean that you're fair and approachable. It does mean that you're the sort of boss who will listen, who has time for those that you're responsible for. It means you're the sort of person that will act justly and righteously in a situation when it comes to somebody who works for you. So if you're a manager or a supervisor, a business owner or an employer, are you that sort of boss? You see, Paul is speaking here out of our relationship with God, out of what he has done in our hearts. He's saying it has an effect on how we are at home and how we are at work. You see, the reality is we don't live most of our life each week in this context. Now, I love this context. I love gathering together and worshipping. I love singing songs of adoration and worshipping Jesus. I love hearing his word preached. But this is a couple of hours out of a week. We don't live most of our life here. We live most of our life out there. So Paul is saying, what's it like? At home, at work. Is what Jesus has done in your heart having an effect at home and at work? Or really, wherever you might be. You might not be in work. So wherever you might be, wherever you are this week, with those people that you're spending time with, is following Jesus making a difference? You see, in summary, this passage is really about life in the Spirit. See, the early Christians knew without any shadow of a doubt that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They knew that Jesus had done something in their heart and had changed them. And their lives changed radically. And those around them saw the difference. I wonder, friends, is the same true for you and for me? Do you know that... Jesus has filled you with his spirit. Do you know he's done a radical work in your life? Do those around you see evidence of that? Not because you're trying to put on a show, but just because you're living for somebody else now and seeking to honour someone else with your life and your words and your deeds, your heart and your actions. And that should be evidence to those around us. You see, I think this is a challenging passage. But the good news is this. It's not about your strength or mine. It's about his incomparably great power. Ephesians 1.19 says this. That power is the same as his mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. That's the power that is at work within you. That is the power that will help you be a godly husband. That is the power that is working within you that will help you to be a godly wife or parents. It's that power that is at work within you that will help you to be a godly boss or a good employee. It's not about you trying harder, thinking that you need to do certain things but rather it's about allowing Christ to live in you and work through you. And as you do that, 
it has an effect on who you are, not just in the church space, but in the workspace and in the home place as well. Amen? Can we stand together? Can the band come back up, please? I'd like us to pray. We're going to close in a moment. We've got a little bit of time. Just so you know where we're thank you, going with this, I, I just feel it would be good to pray for one another this morning. And let's make it really broad, okay? It might be anything that either Sarah or I have said that has provoked you or challenged you or the Holy Spirit has spoken into your heart as we have thought these things. So whatever that might be, we'd love to pray with you and bless what God is doing. See, the danger of these sort of messages is you can hear them and think, oh, that's nice, but not allow the Holy Spirit to work through it. And it's not about anything particularly special that Sarah or I have said, but rather what the Word of God says, allowing His Spirit to work through our lives. So if you feel particularly that these things have challenged you this morning, you think, yeah, you know what, I just need to either freshly get my life in order so that I can leave my family or need to work some things out in our marriage or just how you are with the kids or maybe how you are at home generally or perhaps at work. If today is a moment of thinking, you know what, today I want things to change and I want Jesus to be in charge afresh. Then in a moment I'm going to ask you to come forward so we can pray. And I guess actually if the truth be known in many ways all of us should be saying yeah that God's got some work to do in my heart I've told you where some of my vulnerabilities are this morning already maybe I should be first in line here but what is it for you this morning I'm not saying to condemn you I'm saying to release you and bring freedom because that's what Jesus wants to do and in so doing he can work in your heart and he will be glorified that sounds good to me yeah let's pray Lord Jesus, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for (coughs) all that you've spoken to us this morning. And thank you, Lord, that following you is not just about a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, but has rather transformed our lives. And Lord, for all of us, we're a work in progress. But you're committed to changing us and transforming us from glory to glory continually shaping us by your spirit, allowing your word to work through us in order to make us more like Jesus. And so I want to pray right now that this morning will be one of those moments where you're working in us to make us more like Jesus. And that you will be glorified because of what you're doing in our hearts. God, I want to pray that this week our homes will be different because we're freshly submitting ourselves to you. I want to pray that our places of work will be different because we've freshly submitted ourselves to you and allowing you, Holy Spirit, to work through us. To change us in our attitude towards our boss or to change how we treat those who work for us. So I want to pray that right now you'll be at work in our hearts as we 
look to you in these moments. I, I pray, God, be at work now, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.